0: (laughs) It's great to see you all here again, and it's uh, great to be here and to be able to speak to you again. Um, We have been back on home assignment slash furlough, depending on which terminology you prefer to use, since July. And we've spent uh, quite a bit of time here, but we've also been away for a bit, too. And uh, this Sunday is our last Sunday at Dover Baptist Church before heading back to Papua New Guinea. But I'm very thankful for the opportunity to come before you today and to speak. And today's message is entitled Thanksgiving as a Motivator to Action, with the theme being thankfulness. And we're going to talk about a lot of scriptures today, uh, but my touchstone scripture for today is 1 Thessalonians 5 16 through 18. Now, I want you all to know that I had originally prepared a very different sermon. Matter of fact, I have the complete notes for that sermon and it's all ready to go. And it was on biblical risk management. Because, of course, I'm a geek like that and I'm very interested in risk management. And so that's what I was going to do. And I had it all done and researched and all that type of thing. And, you know, it kind of made sense because I'm in a security role as a missionary and I just finished a security project here at the church. And I'm just very interested in that type of thing. Well, as I started thinking about it, though, more, I realized that this is our last week at Dover Baptist Church for a couple years. And really, a much more appropriate type of thing for me to talk about would be thankfulness. Really, as I thought about it more, I was overwhelmed by the feeling of thankfulness toward God and toward this church, for where I have been brought over the many years being here. And so, Kathy and I are quite thankful for your prayers, for your support, for your financial partnership, and for your friendship. Each one of you are brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, I want to give you a little update on what's happening after today with us. Uh, just this morning, we learned that we have 100% of our funding to go back to PNG. So, God has provided for that, uh, and that is always a wonderful thing. Uh, So on Wednesday morning, we will be traveling and we'll be visiting some family along the way. But our first major goal is we will be going to Waxhaw, North Carolina, where an organization called JARS is located. JARS stands for Jungle Aviation and Radio Service. It too, like Wycliffe, was founded by Cameron Townsend. And we will be going down there uh, primarily for last minute medical checks, shots, that type of thing, and to drop off a sea freight shipment and meet with a few people. Um, I actually have somebody who I have a dotted line reporting relationship to that I'll spend some time picking his brain and he'll spend some time picking mine. And uh, then from there, we'll make our way back to St. Louis because we have a um, rental vehicle from an organization called Righteous Rides. And this is a ministry that rents vehicles to missionaries on furlough at very reduced rates. Uh, The only catch is you got to return it in St. Louis. So we will be driving to St. Louis. And so once we're there, we will then be leaving on the 23rd of March, and Lord willing, and all the connections go well, we should be sitting in Ucarumpa on the 25th of March. Um, I don't remember the exact amount of hours. It's probably something like 36 or so. That's pretty average. So that's kind of where we're at. And we're very thankful for our time here and how things have worked out. But as I look back on it, I'm even more thankful about all the time that we've had at Dover Baptist Church. You see, we came here in late 1999. We had just moved from Massachusetts to um, New Hampshire in late October of 99. Matter of fact, it was so late October that as we were moving things in, kids were coming by and trick-or-treating as we were moving stuff into the new house. So that's how late October it was. And we had said, you know, we were going to church in Salem at the time, Salem, Massachusetts, and uh, we were going to find a church family here. And so we figured, well, we're going to look around at all the different churches here and go visit and then pray about it and see where God would lead us. Well, by late November, we got our acts together enough to come to Dover Baptist Church. And so we were here, and being the introvert that I am, especially when I don't know anybody, I was trying to kind of slide under the radar Didn't really want to talk to too many people. I mean, it happened here and there and all, but I was trying to be really quiet and all, and I was sitting back over there by where that second stained uh, window is, and I'm trying to fly under the radar. And then I hit a Christmas decoration that was in that stained glass window, and it didn't just slide a little bit, no. It smashed on the floor, making a really loud noise. So, so much for flying under the radar and being the gray man. No, every head turned and looked at me, or so I thought. At least that was my perception at the time. But what I was really struck by was the graciousness of people here at Dover Baptist Church. Here I am trying to be kind of quiet, getting into this thing. I make a lot of loud noise, and people are like, really, it's okay. Don't worry about it. You're welcome here. And it made us feel really good to be here at Dover Baptist. In short, Your loving attitudes kept us coming back week after week to Dover Baptist Church. And we eventually joined the church. And our first mission assignment, ministry assignment here at Dover Baptist Church was we were children's church coordinators, which is an interesting choice for a couple without kids. But we did that and we had our adventures doing that. I could tell some stories about that, but we did that for a brief period of time And then we served in a lot of other capacities. Kathy was on the hospitality committee for a while and then the missions committee and was eventually the missions committee chair. Uh, I had worked with youth and taught some Sunday school, uh, was on the facilities committee and then eventually served on the elders board as well. And so for 14 years, between 1999 and when we left, Dover Baptist Church gave us ample opportunities to serve and they challenged our thinking provided us with solid biblical instruction on a whole variety of topics. Dover Baptist Church also introduced us to missions. We didn't really think much about missions before that. We knew what a missionary was, vaguely, but we didn't really know a lot about it. Well, our first mission trip that we went on was to Cambodia, and we went in um, 2004, and it was a life-changing experience for us, so much so that we went every other year for the next 10 years. And we really started to feel like that maybe God was calling us to full time service, but we didn't really know what that would look like. And then eventually, He did call us to full time service in Papua New Guinea. Now, the interesting thing about that is, after spending every other year for 10 years going back to Cambodia and talking about Cambodia incessantly, we kind of thought that when we came before the elders and Pastor Ken, that they were going to think, you're kind of being flaky here. You've been talking about Cambodia all this time, and now you're saying you're called to Papua New Guinea? That was what I was kind of thinking. Well, that's not the reception we got at all. People prayed with us, they talked to us, and they gave us uh, their blessing for going into the missions field there. And so now here we are, 20 years after I literally crashed into life here at Dover Baptist Church... (laughs) And we are still thankful to all of you, our home church. This furlough has been marked by kindness on the part of everyone here at DBC. At one time or another, people have provided for us various things. We had a family provide a vehicle for us until we had our long-term rental. Uh, We had two places to live because we were staying at one place before we were at the missions house. Um, We have had people invite us over for dinner or been over to restaurants and things like that. Fellowship opportunities and opportunities to serve and share about our work in Papua New Guinea. In fact, some of you have actually spent some significant time in the missions field. And so it was kind of like we had our own little debrief right here at Dover Baptist and it was really nice. Because when you come back, things are a little bit different than you remember them. And so it was really great to see that as well. The bottom line is that Dover Baptist Church, you are our family. We have family who live in places other than New Hampshire. Our parents live in different places. Our siblings live in different places. But when we come back from our furlough, uh, we come back from the mission field, we come to Dover Baptist first because it is our home church and it is our church family. And so that's why we come back here first. Now, when we first joined Wycliffe, we went to a program called Equip. And Equip is kind of an introduction to Wycliffe. It's a lot of things, but that's basically a, a good overview of it. And one of our instructors there liked to say, "'Gratitude unexpressed is ingratitude.'" In fact, she said it so often that it is indelibly written in our brains at this point. But you know, she's right. And so Dover Baptist, we want to sincerely say thank you for being our church family. And when I think of thankfulness, the main thing I always think about and naturally think about is the grace that God has poured into each and every one of our lives. You see, before we knew him, he knew us. When we were his enemies, he sent his son to die for our sins and thereby giving us eternal life. And if you are a Christian, then that promise is yours too. And when I think back upon my life before Dover Baptist, before being a missionary, before any of these things... I'm in awe. You see, I'm a very unlikely missionary. Anyone who knew me in high school or college or grad school would be shocked that I was a missionary. In fact, I'm shocked that I'm a missionary as well. You see, I didn't grow up attending church. Well, we went on Christmas and Easter and occasionally at other times, but I didn't grow up doing that. I didn't grow up going to youth group, although a couple times in high school, a friend talked me into going a couple times, and I felt weird being there. So I never really grew up doing that. I didn't become a Christian until I was 18, and I didn't become serious about my Christian walk until I was about 25. But at the same time, God was, is, and will continue to be faithful, and I know that that's true. He's also given me the desires of my heart in many different ways, and I'm just going to give you one example. I told you the last time that I preached that when I was younger, I had some different ideas on what I wanted to do with my educational background and my interest I either wanted to work somewhere in the intelligence community as like a foreign affairs analyst or something dealing with law enforcement on the federal level that's really what I wanted to do and all those doors closed for various reasons and you know what it, that that was okay because he has given me the desires of my heart. One of the positions I was interested in when I was younger is I wanted to work for the State Department as a regional security officer. Now, if you're not familiar, these are the people who work in U.S. embassies all over the world, and they're responsible for American lives and interest in that country. And so I always thought that that would be a really neat job. But that never really worked out for me. But you know what? I'm now the field security officer for a Christian organization in Papua New Guinea, and I'm responsible for the lives and the assets and the interests of our mission in Papua New Guinea. So God has given me in my work the desires of my heart and simply redirected it so I can directly serve his kingdom. And so that's been a wonderful thing. But thankfulness isn't just something that I'm telling you that Kathy and I have today. Thankfulness is a deeply biblical concept as well. As Christians, we're supposed to live lives of thankfulness. And all throughout the Bible, you can see examples of uh, thankfulness. And I'm going to talk about just a few examples today. It is not at all a comprehensive list. But in the Old Testament, we see in Ezra 3.11 that the Israelites who were building or actually rebuilding the temple, that they were singing with thanksgiving to the Lord. And in Ezra 3.11, it says... With praise and thanksgiving, they sang to the Lord. He is good. His love toward Israel endures forever. And all the people gave a great shout of praise to the Lord because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. So here's people who had been in exile for many, many years and now were repatriated to their country. Facing all the difficulties associated with that, they finished laying the foundation and they were singing praises and thanksgiving to the Lord. Well, the Psalms also have a lot of thanksgiving in them, and here's just a few. Psalm 717 says, I will give thanks to the Lord because of his righteousness. I will sing the praises of the name of the Lord Most High. Now notice the psalmist is saying that he's giving thanks to the Lord because of his righteousness. We know in other places that there is none righteous but God. Any righteousness that we have as Christians is called imputed righteousness. It's righteousness because of the fact that we are Christians and that we have been saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. Psalm 95, verses 1 through 3. Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song, For the Lord is the great God, the great king above all gods. Well, this morning, we had music playing, and that music was worshiping God and giving thanks to God. And so music is something that is one way that we do that. In Psalm 100, verses 4 through 5, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name, for the Lord is good and his love endures forever forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Now, if you're a younger person or not so younger of a person, one thing that I would suggest to you that's really fun to do, talk to somebody who's much older than you and hear their stories. Hear how God has been faithful in their lives. It's a real encouragement, I know, to me to hear stories from my grandparents when they were alive, and and others who have told me stories of God's faithfulness. And you also see that throughout the uh, Old Testament as well, how God would tell the Israelites to raise up an Ebenezer to bring memories to them. And so we can also do that with the people in our lives as well. Psalm uh, 106, verse 1, "'Praise the Lord, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, his love endures forever.'" Now, King David, who wrote a great many of the Psalms, gave thanks, and he gave thanks not only when things were good, but he gave thanks when he was on the run, he gave thanks when he was in trouble, he gave thanks when he was in turmoil. So the question I have for all of us, starting with me, but also to you, is, do we give thanks during our most difficult times? I'll confess to you that I don't always do that. If I'm in a really difficult time, I'm focused on that next objective. How am I going to go over it, through it, around it, or under it? And that is the way I'm wired. But here's the bottom line. Any skills that I have or ability to do that ultimately comes from God. And any skills or abilities that you do do for that ultimately comes from God. So our first thing should be thankfulness in prayer to God and then looking at any other things beyond that. Now, in Daniel 2.23, Daniel thanks God for giving him the king's dream and the interpretation. If you remember the story, the king had a dream that disturbed him, and he was going to his advisors, and he wanted to know what the dream meant, but he also didn't want to be taken in, and so he didn't just tell them the dream. He said, you need to tell me both the dream and the interpretation. That will separate the people who really know what they're talking about from those who are charlatans. And so Daniel prayed about that and was able to get the dream. And he says in Daniel 2.23, I thank and praise you, God of my ancestors. You have given me wisdom and power. You have made known to me what we asked for. You have made known to us the dream of the king. So here Daniel is, a prisoner in exile away from his homeland, and he's praising God in a very difficult time. God allows us, to be in difficult times sometimes, but do we thank him when we're in our most difficult situations? Something to consider. Now, thankfulness is also found in the New Testament in many, many places as well. I'm just going to talk about a few of them. In Philippians 4, 6 and 7, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Notice how that verse doesn't say, if you're a Christian, bad things will never happen to you. That is absolute silliness to think that. Anyone who's read, even cursorily read the Bible, knows that God's servants will have bad things happen to them. Bad things and trouble will come into our lives. But when that happens, do we give thanks to God? something to really consider. Colossians 2, 6 through 7. So then just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. And 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 16 through 18. Rejoice always in the Lord. Rejoice always, pray, Continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now, I just gave you a handful of verses from the Old Testament and from the New Testament all about thankfulness. Now, these verses are not all encompassing by any stretch of the imagination. It's just a sampling that's there. But thankfulness is important. It's important, and it should be one of the attributes that separates. Us from the secular world that we live in. Now, I had a couple questions today that I've put in the bulletin, and I think they're important questions. And the first one is, what do you have to be thankful for? The fact is that all of us have something to be thankful for. If we're a Christian, ultimately, we should be thankful for the fact that our sins are covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. But there might be other things that we might be thankful for, too. Do do you have a place to sleep at nighttime? Do you have a home? Do you have a vehicle? If you have a vehicle, you you might not realize this, but you're one of the most rich people in the world compared to other areas in the world. Um, Do you have reasonably good health? Are you able to get around without people helping you? Um, Do you have a family that's close to you? Do you have a job and a way of, of gaining Um, gaining money to pay for things. If you have these things, you should be very thankful. But the bottom line is that every breath we take and every beat of our heart, we should be thankful to God, our creator. And so it's important to keep that in mind as we go forward. Now, the second question is, do we praise God even in difficult circumstances? Do we praise God when we get a bad review at work or we lose our job? Do we praise God when we get a diagnosis from the doctor that's not something we wanted to hear? Do we praise God when we get into an auto accident? Do we praise God when we get into uh, an argument with someone? We probably don't, but we should. So something to really think about. And finally, and really the touchstone, the keystone of what I'm trying to say to you today is question number three. Or it's listed as C here, 3C. What am I doing to turn my truthfulness into action, my my thankfulness into action. What am I doing to make that happen? You see, not everyone is called to do everything in the church. Not everyone's supposed to be a pastor, okay? So I'm very thankful that we have people like Pastor Ken, who has served for so many years as a pastor. I got to tell you, I've only done a few of these sermons. It's a lot of work, and that's just one day a week. I know there's a lot of other things that pastors do, too. But, you know, I'm also thankful for people who, oh, I don't know, can serve on the Facilities Committee. Because you know something? Some of us, like me, when you put tools in your hand, bad, bad things happen. (laughs) And so I'm very thankful for people like that. I'm very thankful for medical people. I'm very thankful that there are doctors and nurses and other people who know all about the human body and have spent so many years that they can help to heal people. I'm thankful having been away for a while to be back in a place that has good roads. I'm thankful in a place to be back in a place that has functioning police services and fire services and ambulances and schools and a government that, yeah, we have our problems, but I gotta tell you, we're doing a lot better than a lot of other places on earth. So I'm very thankful for those type of things. But what about that thankfulness? What do I do with that thankfulness? Now, in my case, God called Kathy and I to serve in PNG and and to serve in roles that we were comfortable in doing. So that's great. But I would ask each one of you, what is your talent that you have? And many of you are serving in the church or outside of the church, doing something that advances the gospel of, of Christ. But here's the thing. You know, we need to always understand that there's more that we can do. So I would challenge each one of you that if you see a need in the church or outside of the church, and you have the ability to meet that need, don't wait to be asked. It's tempting to do so. It's tempting to say to ourselves, you know, no one's asked me, so I guess they don't really want my help. Don't do that. If you have some skill and you see a need, go and meet that need proactively. And in doing so, you help to advance the gospel of Christ. You don't have to be a pastor. You don't have to be an evangelist. There's many different ways that you can do things like that. Unfortunately, though, there are many people in this world today that are not thankful for God's blessings. There are many people that think whatever advantage that they have, whatever accomplishments that they have are all their own doing. And in so doing, they fail to recognize that even their talents and abilities are given to them by God. Others will look at the condition of the world and they'll wonder and they'll say, well, what should I be thankful for? Now, I will tell you that every morning I come down and I make coffee. And after I make coffee, I do my devotions. And after I do that, I open up my computer and I read the news. And Kathy almost always comes down after me because she is not a morning person. And she comes down, and if my brow is furrowed, she knows that I'm reading the news. Because there's lots of terrible things going on in this world. Terrible, horrible things that are happening. And I read these things every day, and you probably do too. We have wars, we have terrorism, we have a drug epidemic in this country that is just going like crazy. Um, We have infectious diseases. You've probably read about the coronavirus and things like that. We have pollution and environmental damage. We have abuse of some of the most vulnerable members of our society. My brothers and sisters in Christ, we live in a fractured and polarized world. And we live in a fractured and polarized nation. And sadly, many of us even have fractured and polarized families. And this shouldn't be. Yet despite of all of our individual and all of our collective sin nature, God has patiently given us time to fulfill his great commission. Oh, I'm sorry, great commissions, as I mentioned a few weeks ago. He has given us time to do that so that many more people might be saved from the coming wrath and judgment. God is righteous. His standards are perfect, and none of us measure up to his standards. God will judge sin, just as Pastor Ken preached last week. So, don't wait to share the joy of your salvation with other people who are lost and are desperately seeking something real in which to place their hope in. Dear church family, let us be thankful for what we have, thankful for God's blessings, thankful for our salvation, and thankful for God's purposes in our lives as we faithfully follow Jesus. And let us take that faithfulness and whatever thankfulness and whatever measure that God has given, whatever skills that we have, and let's turn that into action in a little way, in a big way, however you can do that. And we need to do so redeeming the time for the days are indeed evil. Let us pray. Dear Father God in heaven, hallowed and holy is your name. It is you who are God, and there are no others who come before you. Father, we are greatly thankful. We are thankful for the blessings that we all have as individuals and as a church family. And we confess to you, Father, that we do not always live up to what we should do, that we do not always turn our thankfulness into action. But let us do so going forward, knowing that the days are evil, but that you are ultimately in control of all things. It is in your name we pray, Lord Jesus, amen.